We're here today to look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has rewritten the playbook for business and for life. It's affected everything from how we go about our day to how we work and how businesses operate. The term supply chain has become such a mainstream concept these days, considering that five years ago, the average consumer paid it no mind. Today, it's both a boardroom topic and a dinner table conversation. Let's sketch out what has driven all this attention. I'm joined today by Knut Alika and the Senior Vice President and Head of Logistics and Industrial Planning for Airbus, Sebastian Peters, to talk about the future of supply chain management and the opportunities available. Knut, tell us a bit about yourself and your role at McKinsey & Company. Thanks a lot, Daphne, for having me. I'm a true supply chain enthusiast. So the last 25 years I spent in that field of supply chain. Last year, I did uh, start to co-lead our efforts to um, work on supply chain risk and resilience. And then clearly during the COVID crisis, I helped a lot of clients mastering the, the disruption. Wonderful. Before we go deeper into that, Knut, can you talk about why supply chains have come so strongly into focus this year? What's driving all this attention? If we look back, it was a function that was only recognized if something went wrong. You had an availability problem, you had a customer calling, hey, where's my stuff? And then, hey, supply chain, where's the stuff? Why did you not deliver on time? And now in the pandemic and also other disruptions, clearly a lot of things went wrong and uh, they had to manage this massive disruption and if you think about um, what happened over the last one and a half years um, we we had pretty good supply of food and other stuff right so the supply chain did work right but for a lot of companies um, it meant also that hey we we have we really struggle with uh, with inbound we struggle with our own uh, sites we struggle with distribution so we, we really need to kind of step up and make sure that um, the supply chain is flowing, right? So we can deliver to our, to our customers. And um, what you said earlier is exactly right. It made it to the boardroom. And so we, for example, helped a couple of clients to implement business continuity management. And with, with one client, it was quite interesting that the CEO, who never talked about supply chain before, even addressed this in his investor presentation for two times in a row. There is also the attention that, hey, it's not only a function that is visible when something goes wrong, but it can really help us to be better. That client I mentioned, they increased their market share because they did much better than their competition. With this, they could even sell more. So, And this in a pandemic situation, that was an amazing result. So it does seem like we're having this conversation about supply chain resilience, and you can't have that conversation without talking about supply chain risk. Um, I'd like to dig into what these two words, risk and resilience, really mean in practice. Um, and Sebastian and Airbus, you've experienced, I'm sure, your fair share of supply chain disruptions even before the COVID pandemic. Has the pandemic changed the way your organization views supply chain risk and resilience? Our industry uh, was one of the most um, affected uh, uh, coming uh, directly with this lump down in, in the air traffic and then uh, the big question, uh, what is the right level of reduction of production and deliveries? And this is in our case pretty complex thing because uh, you need really to, to simulate and, and to schedule how do you cope uh, with it. Um, and it's not only your internal network of factories uh, which you need to produce an aircraft, uh, but it's also the ecosystem of your suppliers uh, to anticipate, to quickly react. 
this capability uh, was obviously not new for us. Um, and one of the reasons why we started already before the crisis, a, a bigger supply chain transformation, because we were already anticipating that we need this capability. But the question for a supply chain remains similar. Uh, how to simulate, how to anticipate and how to take the right decision. And not only from a pure operation supply chain perspective, but also taking into account the financial results of the company. Because here inventory, especially in our business, plays a decisive role uh, where you need to be cautious uh, not uh, to have an, an overrunning uh, of uh, inventory excess in your company. That's very clear. Thank you. And Knut, you know, um, um, obviously um, you're speaking to many leaders in organizations um, who are trying to navigate this. What are you seeing um, in other industries and other organizations as they try and chart their course through these risks? We did run a survey amongst um, um, supply chain executives and wanted to understand, hey, what did you do during the last one and a half years and what do you want to do uh, going forward? So one topic that Sebastian just mentioned was really, really high on the agenda. We want to have transparency and we want to be able to decide very fast and we want to decide to do the right thing, right? What do we need for that? We need to invest in digital planning. 80% of um, the participants said that we need to improve. We need to invest in digital planning to increase our visibility, to make sure that we have the ability to plan and to decide and they also said that, hey, we need to be more agile. We need to plan more often. So it's not the monthly cycle or the quarterly cycle. We go from a monthly cycle to a every two weeks or even weekly cycle. Then what also um, what we heard is um, that um, we need to increase our resilience in terms of our footprint. And here, how do you create resilience? You need to increase inventory for the critical parts, not for everything. Right? Because as Sebastian said, if you then um, die in inventory, that's not really helping your cash flow. So you need to increase the inventory for the critical stuff. And you need to make sure that you are less dependent um, on critical suppliers. So here, multi-sourcing, uh, multi um, dual sourcing is very, very important. Interestingly, the whole topic of nearshoring got a little bit less attention. To do that, you need to invest in having digital talent to be able to do the planning, to understand all the algorithms, and um, with this, come to a, to a fast decision. And the holy grail of uh, supply chain risk management is um, multi-tier transparency. What does that mean? It basically means that a lot of companies have visibility on, into their first-tier suppliers, so the direct suppliers, because they have a contract with them. Often the problem is not with the first tier, but with the third, fourth, fifth tier. So what everyone is now looking into is how can we create this visibility that something is going wrong and have an early warning system that we can do something about it. From a tech perspective, this is uh, possible to solve today. You also need to create trust amongst um, the partners and um, the ecosystem of the supply chain. And this is still something um, to work on. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Nut. I mean, we see a lot of headlines, don't we? We have been for a number of years around the digital revolution. Time and again, people are forecasting that the adoption of Industry 4.0 will accelerate and all of that. Um, Sebastian, I'd be quite interested to hear what's really happening. How are you really taking advantage of some of these advanced technologies for Airbus? I think it's nowadays also a bit um, dangerous um, to use those kind of buzzwords um, because, uh, like Nut said, it's not so much uh, the problem that the technology is not available. The question is always, uh, what would you like to do better? And how do you design the better way of, of acting? And this is where I'm personally convinced uh, um, 
a strong belief that you need to invest in having your processes clear. But it's also for us uh, uh, the chance to talk about digital twin. Um, again, here, uh, um, it's, it's relatively easy. What is it? Uh, it's a mock-up, uh, for example, of your industrial system. Uh, but the question is, okay, you can copy your inventories, your industrial uh, constraints, your assets to have it digitally available. We pretty much believe that we can have here very interesting capability on simulation uh, because on simulation you have the closeness to planning um, because especially in those disruptional events, the question is about what if. So what if consumption is now going up again shortly? So what is our reaction? What kind of possibilities do we have internally and as well uh, looking to the reaction um, of our suppliers? And there we need quick decision uh, capabilities in, in order to uh, uh, come from a simulation idea, uh, from different simulation versions, then to the execution of planning. And there a digital twin perspective is really helping and uh, enabling uh, us uh, to do better. I'm sure that that also um, means that you're asking different things from your teams in terms of the skills and capabilities that they have. Um, you know, um, can all of these skills be learned, Sebastian, or will the shape of the, your teams also change? How, what do you anticipate will happen? There is obviously a shift of, of skills, uh, new needed skills, um, where before um, supply chain or, uh, capability for sure was connecting the dots in the company to understand the sales perspective and as well the production perspective because that is the core of, of any kind of supply chain is the SNOP, sales and operations planning. But obviously nowadays um, with the high uh, input of, of digital needs to you need to understand coding. Uh, if you would like uh, to, to know what is the right tool and to translate it to the needed process perspective, software coding is a skill which is needed. And Sebastian, let me maybe jump in here. Um, that is what we see in terms of uh, the future of work in supply chain, that um, we, we have the demand planner. Now in the future, we will probably have a combination of someone who knows the business very well, and we need to have a data scientist that is able to come up with an algorithm. But this data scientist needs also to have kind of translator skills um, to understand the business. If you think about an order manager, we now have someone who is architecting the RPA, the robotic process um, um, bot. So very new roles and a lot of new skills necessary to define the future of the supply chain planners and uh, the future of the supply chain organization. But I also still believe that enriching those skills, uh, what you mentioned, uh, Knut, still at the end uh, for a successful supply chain organization is, is really this kind of uh, ambassador and translation between the two worlds sales engineering on one end and the other world more the production the operations world at the end supply chain is about the best plan for the company and not for a specific uh, function within the company that's a really great perspective sebastian and sounds actually like a really interesting role right also for new people coming into the industry supply chain is getting even more interesting if that was possible um, than it ever has been in the past so let me um, look at the future. Sebastian, to you, how is Airbus going to anticipate demand spikes and dips going forward? Do you feel you're in a better place now to respond to those? We are confident uh, that we have already on one end increased our capabilities on planning. That really helped us a lot uh, to go to, uh, through those crisis uh, uh, last year. 
the starting point for us uh, was a complete new strategy within operations because in 2019 um, we implemented uh, what we call a value stream strategy combined with a value stream organization to really make sure that we have this end-to-end -end view on our operations with the view and the necessity uh, what i said to try to think more towards the capabilities of a serious manufacturer which means uh, not anymore investing so much in, in the workshop perspective but also thinking about flow principles flow production and again here to make it really successful i strictly believe this process perspective having it clear internally what is a new process what does it bring what is the added value and then uh, go to the it implementation and that takes a time uh, to make it really sustainable and and that uh, is our strategy to go for a sustainable change and it sounds like you guys have been through a huge transformation um, and you're now kind of seeing seeing the benefits already emerge sebastian you saw it last year the question was uh, how can we quickly adapt our production rates uh, how can we quickly uh, create the needed transparency to take the right uh, decision and also not to harm uh, the ramp up uh, and now we are all surprised positively uh, that air traffic is coming back much quicker uh, than uh, some of us thought um, and there again this is really helping us uh, this value stream approach end-to-end -end perspective uh, and having a clear view on, on what is needed to anticipate uh, the ramp up and then mitigate and there when we talked before about supply chain resilience that obviously is also now at stake uh, to go for the ramp up. Uh, so how can you assure proactively uh, uh, the production increases, not only internally, but especially also in our huge ecosystem, thousands of suppliers on, on tier one, which need this visibility uh, to know for what they should prepare. And also important to anticipate where we have problems, uh, where we have constraints, in order to uh, be aware now and not uh, when we are already uh, ramping up. So Knut, it sounds like, you know, obviously Airbus has been through a huge transformation and the practice of supply chain has really matured um, also through necessity, um, obviously, in, um, um, as it, we've had to navigate through the pandemic. Do you think we're in a position to broadly claim that now organizations have the tools to be more resilient in their supply chain? And are we resilient enough? So we are better. We are not yet there. So we clearly increased um, resiliency. We started to implement uh, the backbone, the processes. We increased capabilities. So we see a lot of our clients improving um, their processes and with this being more resilient. There will be some disruption around the corner. So the story is not yet over. Yeah. And let me press you there, Knut. Um, what do you think some of the bottlenecks are going to be going forward? So we, we currently see a lot of bottlenecks. And uh, to resolve these bottlenecks will, will take some time. So we see that um, some, some commodities are short, semiconductors are short, um, even containers itself is short. Um, we see that um, uh, the vessels do not have enough capacity. They're kind of um, misplaced uh, at, the, at the wrong spot. So basically everything is, um, I would say, short and it will take a couple of months to get out of this. And then hopefully we will not go back to the super efficient just-in-time supply chain, but more to a, to a risk-resilient supply chain. And then there will be probably another natural disaster. That's what uh, global warming tells us. And with this, we have a heat wave, we have some flooding, and we have the next disruption around the corner. 
Yes, thanks, Knut. So still lots more challenges that we need to attack as we move forward. Um, thank you, Sebastian. Thank you, Knut, for making the time to talk to us today and shedding some more light on how to create operational change that sticks. For our listeners, this is a program in the series of podcasts looking at separating the rhetoric from reality when it comes to achieving operational excellence. We invite you to join us for some other short, sharp discussions with McKinsey experts and industry leaders to expand on the art of the possible and how to create real change today. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon. 